You are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 18. My name is Jennifer Calogaris, and I am your host. I am recording on Saturday, March 7th. So, hello! Last episode, I mentioned that I felt like I was in a bit of a reading rut, and I am so happy to report that I am out of it. The last two weeks have been filled with some really great books, and I am excited to share them with you today. There are so many great new books coming out. Um, I just can't keep up with all of them. My youngest son turned 11 this week, so it's been a very whirlwind kind of a birthday week. And tonight we have five other 11-year-olds sleeping over, or really what it should be called is a not sleepover because no one's getting any sleep, but they are all coming soon. In quick chicken news, all is well on this city farm. We're getting about five to seven eggs a day, which ends up being at least 35, sometimes even 45 eggs a week. We had one weird thing happen last week where one of our hens, Gilda, who lays blue eggs, laid what looked like a water balloon. I was going to post it online, but seriously, it was the most disgusting thing Um, And I wouldn't want anyone else to have to look at it. It was fascinating, but also disgusting. So from what I can gather online, new layers sometimes lay eggs where the shell doesn't quite form. So I have upped her calcium in the form of oyster shells and all seems to be going well again. In writing news, I was accepted into a quick writing residency in Northern California in March. I will be up there for a week writing and reading and hanging out with one other writer and two other visual artists that I have never met, but I am super excited. Um, It feels very decadent to have a week all to myself to write and my writing to-do list has become ambitiously long. I've never really been able to do a real writing residency before because I have been at home with my kids. I was the writer in residence here in Santa Monica at the Annenberg, but that was sort of a nine to five job that I could do in the city. Um, So I'm pretty excited about getting out of town and getting some writing done. I was invited to speak at WonderCon this April, but I wonder if all of these conferences are going to be canceled because of the coronavirus. And I'm also curious if everyone is doing okay out there. This is such a weird and anxious time to be alive. And I'm definitely trying to see the bright side of a quarantine, which might mean some extra time to read, right? Okay, on to some bookish news. Staff at the Hachette Book Group staged a walkout on Thursday in order to protest the forthcoming publication of Woody Allen's memoir. Hachette is also the publisher of Ronan Farrow's Catch and Kill expose on Harvey Weinstein. Ronan Farrow is, of course, Woody Allen's estranged son, and Farrow's sister has previously accused her father, Woody Allen, of abuse. Ronan Farrow was 
incensed that his own publisher would then publish his father's memoir without even giving him a heads up. And he has publicly broken all ties with the publisher. Over 100 employees left the building last Thursday in protest. And yesterday, Friday, March 6th, Hachette announced that it will no longer be publishing Allen's memoir. The Office is getting its second kids book spinoff. The Office, A Day at Dunder Mifflin Elementary, will be a look at all of the characters from The Office when they were kids. Michael, of course, vies for best line leader. And I don't have an author name to give you yet, and I don't even have a publisher for you. So there you go. R.L. Stein is releasing the first book of his new Garbage Pail Kids series in October 2020. Garbage Pail Kids, for those of you listening who are too young to remember the amazing Garbage Pail Kids, were satirical playing cards that spoofed the very popular Cabbage Patch Kids. Each card had a twin with names like Upchuck and Heaven Steven, and in case you are wondering where my childhood collection of Garbage Pail Kids are, rest assured I still have them all hermetically sealed in a Ziploc bag, I am very proud to say. The first book in this series is called Welcome to Smellville, and Stein, of course, is the author of the very popular Goosebump series. Now, on to the books. My first pick is Saint X by Claire Shaitkin. This is about a family of four, mom, dad, and two sisters on a vacation in the Caribbean on a fictional island called Saint X. Claire is seven years old, and her charismatic, beautiful sister, Allison, is a teenager. On their last night of this vacation, Allison goes missing and is found later dead. The book focuses on how this event has shaped her younger sister, Claire, who ends up changing her name to Emily in order to reinvent herself after her sister's death. There are two timelines here in the book. We have the story at the resort as it unfolds and new details are revealed. And then we also have Claire, who is now Emily, as an adult living in New York City, but still reeling from the reverberations of her sister's death. In a coincidence befitting a fiction novel, she ends up reuniting with one of the boys many years later who was with her sister on the night she died giving her a chance to revisit and re-examine the past and how it's affected her life's trajectory. I would say this book falls under the umbrella of a literary suspense novel, although the book begins in what I thought was going to be kind of a retelling of the Natalie Holloway story. It quickly shifts into a very compelling and complex novel. I think it's so well written, and one of the things I really found interesting about the book is the chosen narrative form. So not only do we get Claire, Emily, I don't know what to call her because her name changes, Claire or Emily's perspective, but the narration shifts to her sister, Allison. We also get the Caribbean police. We get some of the boys' perspective who were on the island when Allison disappeared. We see testimonies from many minor characters throughout the text as well as uh, newspaper clippings 
Allison's tape-recorded diary entries, and even one of Allison's high school teachers. So all of these perspectives work really well to render a very robust reading experience and reinforce the ways in which Allison's death affected not only her surviving sister's life, but everyone else's life who was involved as well. I think this book would make an excellent book club novel, because it deals with so many issues. It deals with race and class and gender and sexuality, and the list could go on and on. And I feel like as of now, I know we're only in March, but I can safely say that this is my favorite read of 2020 so far. And again, that is Saint X by Claire Shapkin. Next up is The Impossible Fortress by Jason Rekolak. This is, I guess, officially a young adult novel, but really, I think anyone in their 40s and 50s will be able to appreciate this novel so much more than a young adult crowd because it is full of so many fantastic 80s references. In its most simplistic terms, it's about a 14-year-old boy named Billy who enjoys Pop-Tarts and Monopoly, and his current main goal in life is to get his hands on the latest Playboy because it features everyone's high school crush, Vanna White. Billy and his friends aren't old enough to legally procure a Playboy, so they come up with many foiled plans to get their hands on it and even uh, have big plans to sell many copies of the magazine for a premium. Billy also dreams of being a video game programmer one day, and he does a lot of novice programming at home. This took me back to all of my memories of Logo in elementary school. Remember that little turtle, computer programming turtle? So while trying to steal a Playboy at a store, Billy ends up meeting the store owner's daughter, who, like him, is also into computer programming. They join forces and enter a game design contest where they hope to win. If you are a fan of 80s nostalgia, I think you will really like this book. I think if you are a fan of 80s nostalgia, you will absolutely adore this book. In doing research for this podcast, I learned that the author is also a publisher of Quirk Books, which published Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And that, again, is The Impossible Fortress by Jason Rekolik. With spring break on the horizon, I wanted to include this next book, as I think it is the perfect fun, light vacation read, and it is called Reputation by Sarah Shepard. There are so many plot twists and turns in this one that it's very challenging to summarize, but I will do my best. In this novel, an unnamed hacker exposes private email at Aldrich University in Blue Hill, Pennsylvania, revealing everyone's secrets. And the hack and the revealed secrets also leads to one of the characters, Greg Strasser, um, leads to his murder. So the police are, of course, investigating the murder as well as the computer hack. They need to sift through the multitude of affairs going on in town, and everyone becomes a suspect in Greg's murder, including his own wife and his colleagues, his friends, his previous mistress, and her overprotective cop husband. The more investigating that happens, the more potential suspects are unearthed. And 
we just get to watch in delight as all of these characters continue to make terrible choices. If you're a fan of Big Little Lies or Little Fires Everywhere, which comes out in two weeks, by the way, you will enjoy this book. It's the kind of book you will start and finish in the same day because the chapters are super short and each one ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. I hadn't read any other of Sarah Shepard's books before, but now I'm curious. Again, that is Sarah Shepard's Reputation. If the coronavirus has you in the mood for a bit of a pandemic read, given the world's current circumstances, then my next pick is for you. And it is called A Beginning at the End by Mike Chen. This book takes place six years after a pandemic, cheekily called MSG. um, And MSG has killed off 70% of the population. The story revolves around three survivors who live in San Francisco, and it's about how their lives intertwine. There's Rob. He is a single dad who works for the news cycle, and he has lost his wife to MSG, which sounds so silly to say, but there you go. He is being threatened by the school stability board, who thinks that his daughter may be better off in a more stable home environment. The second main character is Moira, who is a former British pop star who has been keeping her former identity a secret. She sort of disappeared into the ether after a concert one day, and no one has heard from her since. And then there's Krista, who is a post-apocalyptic life coach who helps her clients move on from tragedy. These three characters' lives are soon enmeshed, and we watch as they navigate challenges and secrets during the end of days. The premise of the novel sounds like it would be very bleak, but it is remarkably fun and funny and feels much more like a contemporary novel just with the backdrop of a futuristic pandemic. This is definitely a lighter, breezier foil to, for example, Emily St. John Mandel's Station Eleven. And again, that is A Beginning at the End by Mike Chen. Up until this morning, I was just going to talk about four books this week as a result of my recent reading rut, but I started reading Long Bright River yesterday, and I tore through it just in time to add it to today. So this is a big fat novel and Moore's fourth that focuses on the opioid crisis in America under the guise of a thriller. In terms of the thriller plot, there is a serial killer on the loose who is targeting young sex workers in Philadelphia. Mickey Fitzpatrick is a patrol officer who is working on uncovering who has been committing these horrible crimes. She also happens to have a sister named Casey, who is a heroin addict and has also recently gone missing. Mickey is concerned that her sister has also fallen victim to the serial killer. So suddenly the case that Mickey is trying to crack feels very personal and her own sister's life may be at stake. This story is told using two different timelines. We have the now of the story where Officer Fitzpatrick tries to solve the case of the missing girls, as well as find her sister. And then we have the past narrative, which is the two sisters growing up together. They're raised by their grandmother, and we get to see 
the moment that their lives kind of bifurcate and Casey falls victim to drugs. This is a moving account of two sisters and family secrets and the tight grip that addiction has on its victims. And again, that is Long Bright River by Liz Moore. And that's it for this week. It was a quick one. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy out there. If you like what you're listening to, please consider writing a review or giving my podcast a high star rating in Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference in getting new listeners to discover me. And if you would like to send me an email about anything that's on your mind, my address is booksaremypeople at gmail.com. Up next, I am going to be reading Una Out of Order by Margarita Montemore. I'll be back in 14 days, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. Bye.